So I'm wanting to steal ideas from you guys today. Well, consider it done. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you need. Hello and welcome to the Edupunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman, welcoming you to another conversation with a bunch of DIY disruptors and everyday educators. This week I'm chatting with three folks who run three different record labels who happen to all live in Boston. So it was a great, easy way for me to get to chat with them for this episode. First, you're going to hear me chat with Joey Cahill, who helps run 6131 Records. 6131 Records, sorry. Also, you're going to hear me chat with Jake Solzer of Counterintuitive Records. And then you'll hear me chat with Juts... And then you'll get to hear me talk with Dustin Watson, who runs Disposable America. This con... This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Connect EDU network, which is the network of podcasts that we are connected with. Connect EDU, get it? Connected to education, do you get it? It's pretty great. Um, But we are part of the Connect EDU network, which connects folks with podcasts across all of the education realm. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty cool group to be a part of. So please go to the show notes if you want to check out Connect EDU Network. Uh, also, uh, you're going to hear tunes throughout the episode from uh, some of the labels, and I will give you information on those as you hear them. You've heard a little bit of from Kindling, which we shared their album last year. But fun fact, we're going to be giving away a copy of their record Hush, which was released on 6131 Records last year in 2017. Sorry. And that'll be a part of a big old record giveaway we're going to do here in the next coming weeks. So keep your eyes out for that. We're actually going to be giving away records from all three of these labels. So if you like what you hear, you might like some of the tunes that you could win. That'd be pretty sweet. Also, finally, we have the Patreon for Art of Survival still up at patreon.com slash artofsurvival. If you want to donate to us, be a monthly donor for the work that we do, doing charity work and spreading resources about uh, sexual assault prevention and trauma support, uh, please send it our way. Katie's currently on the road with Sharp Tooth and As It Is, doing a lot of great work out there in the scene, making sure folks are getting resources and having their voices heard. I think that's all I've got for the top of the podcast. You'll hear me do quick interludes in between each uh, chat and then play you a little bit of music, and then another chat will happen. That's basically the flow of this episode. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope you like these chats. Now let's chat with Joey Cahill. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Joey. I, uh, I own 
6131 Records. Yeah. So where's the label based? Well, uh, tell me a little bit about the label. Uh, the label started in about 13 years ago in Huntington Beach, California with two of my roommates. Uh, ran it out of the, our living room for a few years till we all kind of moved out and I wouldn't say went our separate ways because we're still all friends, but I kept the label going by myself for a few years. Brought on another person. I don't even remember what year, but at that point kind of moved everything to Richmond, Virginia, where we, every that's where we operate. We've got our office there. We have a storefront there. And yeah, it's cheap there. It's cheap it's, there. It is cheaper than the Boston store, and it's cheaper storefront. than LA. It's typically cheaper at the, the boutique setups instead of those chains that are going to get well, you. And with You're all getting the, straight from the source from you guys. Well, all the... It's cheaper in the sense of running a business out of Virginia. Oh, yeah. To, okay, there you go. Yeah. So Virginia is a great is has been awesome. A great place to run a business, apparently. Yes. Well, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. So I recommend uh, moving moving to Virginia if you can and start a business there. <laughs> Big tip. Yeah. Move to Virginia. Did I move to Virginia? No. No. I live in Boston. But, yeah. Yeah. Which is where you and I met. Exactly. A couple years ago now. Yeah. We've been here for... Uh, two and a half years. It'll be three years in July. And it was probably shortly after that. <clears throat> yeah, I met you that September. Yeah. When Julian played at Leslie. Yeah. That was a, it was a fun night because I remember because like we, I introduced myself to you. I had no idea who you are, but you got to sit through me, yell at a microphone, <laughs> yell at a microphone. Um, and by the time I sat down, I was like, Joey, this guy Joey added me on Facebook? Oh, he must want to sign me to a record deal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, no. He just wants to be a good friend with Craig. Exactly. Hell yeah. And maybe someday do the record. No. <laughs> um, but hell yeah. Have you, how have you liked being in Boston? I love it. Yeah? What does your day-to-day look like being remote like that? Um, phone calls and emails. Okay. While holding a six-month-old baby these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, phone calls and emails. And it's, it's nice being out here because I can go to Richmond a lot easier than from California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can meet in New York really easily. So, Which you've yeah. done plenty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just as much as, I mean, California is the greatest place in the world, but it's a lot easier to run this business from the East Coast because everyone else is based on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. There's no time change and yeah, it's just it's a little bit smoother. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, how have you um, found like the Boston market or being in this area, like for going to gigs, what have you been uh, like exploring? Do you like, what do you, what, what are you trying to like look for in bands right now? Um, It's inter- like Boston was interesting because I was so used, it's, I mean, it's a big city like L.A., but shows are so different here in that L.A. doesn't have house shows, really. Really? There's just, I mean, but L.A. has all-ages venues and clubs that are all-ages, where here, I feel like if it's, and I could be wrong, (laughs) but if it's like a a legit show, chances, unless it's like a bigger venue, but like, there's no smaller, like, 300-cap clubs that aren't all-ages. Is that a fact? It's pretty true. Yeah. This this the like pr- primary all age thing that we have is like maybe 120 and that's DC. And I don't even know what that is. Democracy Center. Oh, but that's that's more like a DIY spot too. It like, is, yeah. Like California Hardcore you know. Stadium. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's 
It can it can be all ages. But yeah, it necessarily. But it's still like to me that's still like a DIY like. Yeah, you know, space. there's not like. California Chain Reaction, the showcase, like mm-hmm. all the clubs in Hollywood were all ages. And so it's been interesting, like, you know, and then when you go to the shows here, there's, it's an older crowd because most of the shows are at least 18 and over. Mm-hmm. But then you go to house shows and I'm pushing 40 and I am the father of <laughs> those people. <laughs> oh. So it's a, it's two different worlds, I feel like, where, you know. You go to a show at Great Scott, and then the next night you go to a show in some basement. And, or yeah. just like this last weekend, we went to a gig in an auto shop, yeah. and then you were at the Dunkin' Donuts Center yeah. <laughs> watching Panic at the Disco. Literally Two, night and day. Yeah. Couldn't be any different. One place smelled like gas, and another one had 14,000 people. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of... You get a lot of different uh, worlds when you go to gigs out here, though. Yeah, and I'm figuring it out. Like, I mean, I think, like, it's taken a while, but, like, I think there's a lot of great local bands and that I'm still learning about, and it's exciting to come into, like, a whole new scene where, in California, I'd been going to shows since I was 14, and I moved here when I was 36. Yeah. So, that's a long time. Yeah. It's so a big it's change. Like, and so, to come across a whole bunch of new bands and a whole new like crop of people and it's it's exciting yeah um you know even in my old age i still enjoy it yeah um so give me a little history when the label was getting started how did you know that this was going to be a thing that you were doing i didn't okay (laughs) good i mean it started as a fun thing we put out our friends records like and you know we got lucky in the beginning like outbreak was a really popular band and they started this side project cruel hand and Mm. They were like, do you guys want to put out our, our demo? And so we said yes. And then we did the first Cruel Hand LP. We were friends with Rotting Out. So we did uh, Rotting Out 7-inch and then some Rotting Out LPs. And then, you know, like friends of friends, like we did a Down to Nothing record. Just all these like bigger hardcore bands that we were friends with from staying at our house. We ended up just doing records for and it kind of over time. Like, I don't think I ever really took it that seriously the first few years, but it was, you know... We had a seven lot. years in, you're like still I not serious. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, legitimately, about seven, eight years in is when it became an official business and got mm-hmm. a business life. Like you know, it was became, I guess, more legit because it still to me it was a hobby that took up most of my time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's still kind of weird that it's a real thing yeah. to me, even after all these years and a hundred records and and stuff. So. Yeah. So when you set out, were you just signing really the people that you were kind of in your immediate circle? Was hardcore the thing that really launched it then? Yeah. I mean, like, it all started with just, honestly, friends that would stay at our house that were in touring bands. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, randomly, like, we did our first LP was this band Permanent from Virginia, who none of us really knew, but found them on the internet and thought they were cool and did their record. And, you know, actually from Permanent... They came to California and brought a friend with them, and he actually, his name's Sean, and he became the label manager seven, eight years later. Just, you know, it's from those relationships where the, the label helped, kept growing. Um, you know, I guess from the beginning it was, we were a hardcore label, but kind of would always put out whatever we wanted. Hmm. Even if, you know, wasn't your typical hardcore record. Well, and y'all have evolved a lot over the last, especially the last few years. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I lo- like as much as I love hardcore and still do and always will. 
I just am not listening to as much hardcore anymore. I think you've gotten a little softy. I'm, I've got kids. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff you want on with the kids around. I just, like, the music I listen to the most is quiet. Fro- the Frozen soundtrack? Well, besides the Frozen soundtrack, which is legitimately the thing I listen to the most. Um, it's just quiet indie rock. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we still love hardcore and if a hardcore band comes along that all of us are, like, super into, we'll definitely put our hardcore record. It's yeah. just, you know... We're not actively looking for any sort of band. Yeah. We're just looking for music we like. Yeah. So. Well, and it seems like you get a lot of bands, like, as they're about to take off, too. Like, you've, uh, it seems like y'all have a good ear for, like, what's going to be next, at least. Thank you. Yeah. I, we... I've seen that, like, Culture Abuse, Julian, uh, I mean, Touche, like, a, a lot of those bands, and Dads, like, would just, like. We've been very fortunate, and, you know. It's one of those things where music is such a crapshoot where <laughs> you have no clue who's going to, you know, become popular. Like, there's yeah. literally no rhyme or reason to it. And we've just been lucky. And, um, yeah, it's been exciting to see and watch these bands grow. And, you know, it's uh, just this past weekend, like, we put out the first Joyce Manor record and they played a sold out show in LA. That's thirty. It was thirty five hundred people. Yeah, like that's nuts. They blew up. Yeah, um, it's just cool to see. Like you know, years later, like ten years ago, we did the Touche record, and mm-hmm. like Touche's obviously, you know, a successful band and mm-hmm. does really well. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, no, it's really good. So there isn't like a specific sound or anything that you guys tend to look for. It's just whatever sounds good to y'all. Yeah, I mean my. I think from the very beginning was, even though we were primarily hardcore in the beginning, it was like, I just never want to be pigeonholed. Like, oh, they, they're an emo label. They're a hardcore label. They're a screamo label. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. But, you know, you look at labels like Merge and Matador and Sub Pop and these labels, and even Epitaph. These labels that have been around for 30 plus years and it's, mm-hmm. they, you know, they just put out what they like. Yeah. And like, they all have such a wide range of of bands mm-hmm. that's like I think that's what is a, a recipe for success is just you know trends change and if you're pigeonholed in one one area years later like you know you can change it but it's just it's going to be hard to like navigate like you know we're a, as you know a, a ska label in 1996 yeah in 2005 it's going to be hard to you know, be a successful ska label. Yeah, so. a ska label. We Nothing do... against ska. I'm I'm from Orange County. Like, well, yeah, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, we featured uh, the band Just Friends on the podcast a oh, couple weeks ago, and they're so much fun. There's ska's in a revival right now. Oh yeah, I will, it's huge. That, I will listen to that Interrupters record. Oh yeah, all day long. Yeah, which was featured on our last week's uh, albums of the year list. Interrupters. Our buddy Scott had it on his list. Yeah, that record is it's it's a ska. It sounds like Rancid. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> it almost made my top ten. Yeah. But it didn't. Mm. Yeah, no, I uh, I uh, only really got into ska in college, which is, I think, the time that some people do it. And uh, it was because of my friends in a prog ska band. I think I told you, you about did. that. I don't even want to talk about it. Do you want me to play it for you? <laughs> I, I'm actually very curious to know what a prog ska band is. I'll play it for like. you when we're done. It's actually pretty darn cool. Um but, yeah, so 
a little bit into... I just like there was a ska tangent, real. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> it was spectacular. <laughs> Scottacular. I always said if I started better. if I started a ska band, I wanted to call it Ska Skank Redemption. Mm. I never did, so... That's a really good name. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone's welcome to take it. And if it's already been taken, I think I had it first. Yeah. So. Yeah. That would be uh, that would be a really good name for someone to steal if they're listening to this podcast somehow. <laughs> uh, cool. So, kind of to bring it back to um, your history with the label, what do you think are some things that folks should know about the what it takes to actually get a like business license for a label like this? What does that look like? Because I, I have a conversation with Jake that comes up later where he just got his and it was intense, apparently. Uh, honestly, I didn't do anything. Tit tight. Like, not, I mean, that's not entirely true. Like, Sean, the label manager, kind of was the one who uh, helped do all that. I mean, we went, I think we did all that through LegalZoom, which is a great, you know, free, free, Professional ad, for, sounding free ad for LegalZoom now. Yeah. Um, but no, just, and I mean, you know, fill out the forms and you got to pay the money and, yeah. you know, I think there you go. Did that make it easier as a label when you went legit? Um, yes and no. I mean, you know, it's nice to have for, uh, legal pur- purposes, like now I can't get sued. Yeah. <laughs> like the, it's all through the, it's through the business, but you know, it certainly makes taxes a little more confusing. Okay. But you know, it gets to a point where. You kind of have to, mm-hmm. and because if even if you don't, I mean, it will make sure it makes taxes more confusing. But I get screwed a lot less hmm. this way by going legit. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Now, when you're looking for bands, what kind of um, advice do you have for bands that are looking to get signed? How should they like reach out? Like, what's good etiquette in? trying to get their music heard, especially in the world of band camps and uh, I don't know. I mean, know. The, one, the only advice I will ever give to any band is play shows. That's okay. it. Just play shows. Like, you can talk about content and having videos. and I mean, that stuff's great and important, mm-hmm. but none of it matters if you don't play shows. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing matters if you don't play shows. Um, but, you know, when, like, we get emails all the time and we look and re- listen to every one. And, but some of them are just like, check out my band link. It's like, no. Yeah. You know, like it's, thanks for your time. Tour history, you know, press, you know, thanks to us, your socials, all that stuff, a little history, like social security. Yeah. Social security, last <laughs> your mother's maiden name and pin number. And if you can send us the th- three digit number on your credit card. Yeah, it's great. All that stuff's super important. Um, we want to see all of it. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll get emails that are like, we'll keep it short. And it's like, I eh, don't necessarily keep it short. Like, if if there's stuff to tell us, tell us. Yeah. You know. You've got some selling points, some bragging points. Yeah. I'll brag away. Yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, no shame in. You know, don't smoke up your own ass every once in a while. Well, and like that's the whole thing of it all is you also want a band that can sell you a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, to the point where it's, you know, not where they're like, you know, if bands are like, oh, we tour, you know, like all the stuff that you can kind of follow up and be like, 
played a lot of shows, but you haven't left a hundred mile radius. Like, yeah, you, know. you you do weekenders all the time in New England, but you know, you, <laughs> where are you getting out? Well, it's yeah, you you know, like leave your town and mm-hmm. go play shows. Yeah, that's what we want to see, and that's what we tell our bands: like, just play more shows. You know, I think there's, you know, you want to get on bigger tours, play more shows. Booking agents pay attention to that stuff. If they see a tour history and bands work hard, that's how you get an agent. That's how you get tours. Yeah. Yeah, that all makes sense. And a pretty consistent um, thing that I hear from dudes that I talk to about this, which is great, that y'all are kind of all on the same page with how to get bands signed and whatnot. I love that. Yeah. It shows that you're, you're all kind of on the same waves. Hell yeah. Um, any last bits of suggestions or uh, key insights to what it's like running a label or even the glorious life therein? Uh, I would say it is not glorious. That is, it, it's it's super fun and it's cool to put out records and have all these records we've done, but it's a lot of work and it's, it's super stressful and I lose a lot of sleep over it and, <laughs> you know, I've probably lost friends over it and you know but it's one of those things where it's a job i mean in like every job there's highs and lows and there's some days where you just don't want to do it anymore and then there's other days where it's it's like the best feeling in the world where you see a band succeed and um you know it's 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 awesome and i you know it's been 13 years i hope it's going another 13 years and yeah that's cool Good time. Well, hell yeah. Ish time. <laughs> Good ish time. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Thanks so much for spending more time with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Big thanks to Joey Cahill for chatting with me, coming over to my place and chatting with me. Really appreciate that. Uh, if you like what you heard from the conversation with Joey, go to 6131records.com and check out all the bands and all the stuff that they do. Be really good for your brain and for your ears. I'm sh- I'm sure. I guarantee it. Uh, now we're going to shift gears and go chat with Jake Solzer from Counterintuitive Records. And I'm also going to play you a little tune from Retirement Party. Here we go. I try to explain myself and not rely on this reoccurring plot. Maybe I will just admit I'm an asshole. The soles of my shoes are wearing thin. I find myself pulling too much at my skin. I will just be young with a face full of wrinkles. So can you tell people who you are, what label you have, and where you're from, maybe? Uh, My name is Jake. I run a label called Counterintuitive Records. I'm from Central Mass, living in Boston right now. Hell yeah, we're in in the headquarters right now. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of shirts, some hoodies, 
a shit ton of records. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's a bit chaotic right now. I have I started the cleaning process yesterday, and uh, so this is, in my mind, clean right now. I just I'm going to continue. There's also a bunch of spools, or not spools, but just, just stacks of DVDs, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. loose DVDs. Well, I had a, I had a recent um, just like brain blast on how to uh, just have more stuff to include in orders, just mm. like little fun stuff other than stickers. And so, so that's what these are for. Yeah, I've been getting really into DVDs to begin with, and so I was like, "Oh, you know, it'd be cool if I could pick up a lot, of, like just like a wholesale lot of DVDs." And I find this guy on Craigslist who's selling twenty five hundred loose DVDs for a hundred dollars. Of course. Yeah, and so I contact him. He's like, "Yeah, I can deliver to Boston." And by the way, I have more if you want more than twenty five hundred. And so it ended up being two transactions, but I got around 6,000 loose DVDs. Holy crap. Yeah. And it was like $250 total. And so, yeah, I've got, those are just the duplicates that you're looking at right there. Seriously? Yeah. There's about like probably 700 duplicates of movies or TV shows that I think are worth watching. Wow. Yeah. And so I think there's a pretty good uh, selection over there. And those are the ones I'm putting in orders. That's amazing. Yeah. I've got like boxes in the living room of just like my personal a-list where i'm like okay i got a thousand dvds right here that yeah. i'm confident are decent movies yeah yeah so i feel like it was a huge score jeez that's so crazy yeah it, it was like a great find i think yeah i always love it when a label tosses something like polyvinyl is like known for throwing the airheads in there mm-hmm. i always love those yeah um how long have you been running counterintuitive um i put my first album out in september 2015 Oh wow! Yeah, and so I thought I thought up the idea earlier that year. So I've basically been working on it since the start of 2015. Where did the idea come from? Um, first, I had a f- I had a friend's band that had a demo that I was obsessed with, and as a vinyl collector, I was like, oh, I wonder what it would be like to get this pressed on vinyl, and then that's what first made me look up like, oh, it would be like. $1,200 to get a 7-inch pressed. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that idea got in my head. And then I just found a demo online for Bay Faction and was just like, wow, this band is amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've found so many things, you know, early on, like online that ended up, like bands, demos that ended up going on to do great things. Like I remember listening to Free Throw's first demo, like the day it came out and like Real Friends the day they put out everyone that dragged you here and i'm just like this band's gonna be massive and Mm -hmm. then a year later i look at them and they're touring and stuff and Mm -hmm. so i'm like what if this could be that next band like that Mm -hmm. and i just found out about them the day they released their first demo yeah and so i reached out to them and was just like oh would you want to work together i'm thinking about starting a label and they were just like yeah so it was just already something you were thinking about doing yeah i feel like i felt like i was recognizing bands early on and being like, oh, this band has what it takes to do this or do that. And then s- seeing them actually do it is what gave me the confidence, like, oh, maybe I could help other bands do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So from there, uh, when did you feel like you were picking up some steam as a, as a, as a label? Because um, it's still like I, relatively new label. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I feel like it. I have been extremely lucky in feeling a lot of support from the get-go because I had a few of my posts about that Bay Faction album when it came out got a lot of steam on Reddit and so Mm -hmm. I sold like 
over half of the vinyl pressing like the day the album came out and hmm. it was my first release and so i was like this is insane like yeah. i never in a million years it's always thought gonna that be that like happen. this <laughs> yeah well i definitely didn't think that but um and but a similar thing happened with album number two like i did a 10 inch for this band playing clothes from worcester and um the day it came like the day i got the records in i posted it on reddit the post blew up and i sold like over half the pressing and was just like holy shit like yeah people are really supportive of the idea of someone who was just lurking on the internet doing something that like they care about yeah and participating in a music community and so i feel like that's what started me being like wow people actually want to support this yeah and then there have been so many things along the way where i'm just like holy shit i never believed it would pick up steam like this yeah like when i signed bomb jeans and we sold out the best buds pressing just on pre-order before Mm -hmm. like we even got the records that was like insane to me it's a big deal yeah and then we went through like how many pressings are you on that now (laughs) i just ordered the fifth one fifth pressing so once this one comes in we'll have about 7500 records pressed on that album in the last two years and so it's like there's been just that band alone there's been 20 milestones where i'm just like this is insane like when i saw them in south by southwest in 2017 they played the alternative showcase at like 2 30 in the morning and Mm -hmm. it was the biggest crowd of the entire night there was like 200 kids or so Mm -hmm. and i was just like oh my god like this is texas Mm -hmm. it's not boston like where the label's from it's not california where the band's from this is just like the middle of the country and there's so many kids here to see this band this is crazy um and they're they're doing it too like yeah. they're always out there yeah so that's big and so yeah there's been a ton of ton of different stuff um with them where i'm just like wow like this is actually picking up some steam mm-hmm. and then you know you, just this summer alone the retirement party album the just friends album all the represses it felt like you know everything was staying consistently hot which was like totally unexpected for me well that's what you want to see you want to see that it's like consistent you want to see that people are um like buying even people are like variant collecting that mm-hmm. mom jeans mm-hmm. thing as well so like you want to see stuff like that too. yeah it's big yeah it's it's awesome the vinyl community is quite uh a wild place as i know <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree uh, um yeah and that just friends record is unreal Mm-hmm. And like it's one of the most fun things I've heard in a long time, and not a lot of people are signing ska right now. Mm-hmm. So, can you even <coughs> can you even pigeonhole what you look for in bands right now? Like, um, or is it just what does that look like for you? What kind of bands are you even looking for? Um, I feel like Just Friends is definitely an outlier in what I'm looking for. They in in terms of music wise, but what I'm looking for isn't so much a specific type of music it's more just like the drive the commitment and just like the overall quality like a band like that if you described their style to me i would be like no way am i gonna like that (laughs) but then you see them live and you're just like there's no way i could ever not like this yep like you can't watch that band without a smile on your face when you see them live and so it just took me seeing them live a few times to be like you know what maybe i should listen to rock to the rhythm again that album was wasn't that yeah. bad and then you know after you see him three or four times then you're texting him like please just sign the contract and like work with me please work with me like i don't need to hear the new album i know it's gonna be good like just work with me 
and so I'm really glad that that it worked out. Um, yeah, because they're it, they're the type of band, kind of the exact type of band I'm looking for, where it's outside of the musical style that I know mm-hmm. and you know usually go after, because I feel like most of the bands I work with are emo, pop punk punk rock power pop whatever you want to call it and so to find a band like that um was really a blessing yeah so you're mostly looking for the people not necessarily the team sometimes yeah because i mean i always love finding new music i love but i feel like i'm more drawn to finding uh people that i connect with Mm -hmm. and then just seeing the work ethic and the just like what goes into the band more so than just writing a song and yeah. then wanting somebody to put it out. Yeah. What's it look... So, before we came over here, we were in Dunks, and we were talking about you just got business licensed. Mm-hmm. What's What are some of the biggest things you've been learning starting this on your own? Because uh, it's still, I mean, running out of a bedroom mm-hmm. and a storage space. So it's not huge, but it's not small Mm -hmm. um what are some of the things you're learning right now um i'm definitely learning a lot just about um i'm trying to think of how to phrase it learning just about how much to invest beforehand because i feel like there's almost a point where you can over invest in a band and then it could potentially hurt them in the long run where Every band, you know, wants, oh, we want a vinyl pressing. We want the best PR we can get. We want tour support or whatever. But then at a certain point, let's say the band's a little too young to have good PR, but then you just shelled out three or five grand on PR. Well, guess what? Now the digital royalties are coming in and we're only getting $300 a month. So the band's not going to see any for three years. Because we've got $5,000 in PR to make up for, Mm -hmm. or $5,000 in studio time. And so it's like trying to find the balance of like, okay, what would be better off for the band to pay for themselves? What would be better off for me to pay for? And then is it worth investing this much right now? And then basically spending all this time just trying to make our money back? Mm -hmm. Or should we invest less and try to build the band to a point where that investment would pay off would pay off better and so that's something that i'm trying to navigate better now just so that um all the bands are going to be in the best position they can be if we work together yeah yeah that's always been something that has been in my brain is because i'll see some labels put out a band and i'm like it seems like nothing was put behind that album like sometimes Mm -hmm. and i'll just get really like bummed out by mm-hmm. that like because you'll be like oh this band this band like deserves the vinyl treatment yeah this band deserves to be seen on stereo gum or something yeah or even like at a certain level the biggest one that i can think of is when circus survive was on atlantic mm-hmm. and this is like a whole other scene but it's like a, it was a big deal for me back in like 2010 or whatever they got signed to this major label and they put out what a lot of people consider their best album blue sky noise and no one heard a goddamn thing about it like it got them one late night thing but the band the label basically just like did nothing to support them for it and that's why their next release was independent 
That's they're crazy. like, screw this. And the very first song on Violent Waves is Birth of an Economic Hitman, and it's all about not selling out again. Wow. And that's where I'm like, man, why do you why do some people sign these bands or even like wanna put a band together and mm-hmm. then like you don't see anything? That's probably because I don't think about these other parts mm-hmm. where you don't know and I'm I'm assuming that Atlantic was just like, Oh, Circus already got this following. We don't need to yeah. do this. But at a level and Maybe a label like that sees Circa as one of their smaller projects. It's also true. And so they think why why waste the resources on this yeah. when we could have I don't know who they have, but like Whoever Ariana else. Grande or somebody yeah, yeah, probably yeah. who they could be like, we could just focus on this. If this makes us money, mm-hmm. great, but why put fifty grand into it or a hundred yeah. grand into it if yeah. if we don't have to? Yeah, and so yeah, it definitely, it definitely is tough because I have like some albums that I wish I had on vinyl, but I just know like if I'd you press be... it, you can't just press it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, which granted, I have done a few times where I'm just like, you know what? I want this. I don't care if anyone buys it. I mean, for most of my releases, I don't care if anyone buys it. But it's just like there's certain times where I'm like, okay, I am not in a position to put two grand down on vinyl right now and i know that the band isn't in a position to help me get all that money back if they're only able to play a show every couple months or something like that and they're not really able to tour then like um it it would just put us both in a tougher position Mm -hmm. and so i've learned my lesson on that yeah a few times i bet i bet that's good that's good to hear um before we wrap up a little bit who currently are uh like on the label who do you think people need to be checking out either Um, on your label or just in general on my label i feel like there's definitely a few that flew under the radar this past year i put out a ep by hemingway it's called enjoy from oregon yeah yeah they're great um yeah they're awesome they've been around like super long and just work super hard and um i thought it was like an awesome ep um but that was one of the ones where we wanted to do the seven uh, seven inch for it, but it just ended up being like a minute too long for an EP. So we only could have done a ten inch, and I was just like, "Well, I don't think I can do a, a ten inch for like a ten minute album." Because they run ten inches, like, having ordered my own vinyl before. Mm-hmm. Ten inches run at the same price as twelve inches, yeah, because of yeah. the cut. And so, yeah, it's hard to sell a, a ten minute five song EP on a ten inch for. Like no. ten or twelve bucks, yeah. and so, yeah. Sadly, that one didn't work out vinyl-wise, but it was a really good EP. Had some of my favorite songs from the year on it. Um, other than that, I feel like, at least for my recent stuff, people have probably at least heard of the bands. Yeah, and so, um, for my stuff, that there isn't much more I'd recommend but yeah. other bands <clears throat> I really like the album Daisy Bones put out this year yeah or last year I guess yeah. um, they're playing down, they're, they're, they're playing, playing Great, Great Scott, Scott tonight. tonight yeah, yeah. Um, probably gonna go over there um, but yeah that album was super cool and then I just saw Beach Bunny play at the mm. Great Scott with Field Medic and yeah. yeah they're they're gonna be a very good band for a very yeah, long time yeah their EP feeling. was great yeah check that one out um Final thing, what would you, if someone was like, hey, I'm going to start a label, like maybe me, mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. what's advice that you would give either to that person or even to bands wanting to get signed? Um, to the person wanting to start a label, I would say, 
probably try to find the band first and the band you want to work with and then <coughs> and then focus on everything else after and then um yeah because it's more important to have the music that you are confident in and then figure out okay where do i get tapes made where do i get j cards made where do i get templates made mm-hmm. for a vinyl like jacket and stuff like, that. like that's all stuff that can be obtained through just asking any small DIY label for help mm-hmm. or just Googling it and spending a couple hours. And so mm-hmm. I'd say just finding the band's the hardest part and then convincing them to work with a new <laughs> label is also a challenge. Yeah. But when you have something to offer that they can't do themselves, it becomes a little easier. Um, and then for a band trying to get signed, I feel like there's no magic formula of what you can say over an email that's going to make somebody interested in you yeah. somebody's going to be interested in you because you're playing shows you're good at what you do and you're just putting in the work in your local community and trying to get your band on the road and just show a label that you're serious about music and you're serious about making it a priority in your life mm-hmm. and then they'll be like or at least i will in I would be much more inclined to check out a band if I see that they're doing a 10-day tour than if a band emails me saying, we work so hard, Mm -hmm. we recorded this album this year. Like, there's probably 50 really good albums that, like, people have sent me this past year, but um, you just gotta prove that you're serious about it. It's kind of like show, don't tell. Yeah. Don't tell me these things. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, their bands are basically asking labels, invest in me. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, show me why I should do that. Mm. And so that's what I would say is just try to support your local community, be active in your local community, and then use those connections to branch out from your local community. Cool. Hell yeah. Big time thanks to Jake for sitting down and chatting with me in his uh, CIHQ. It was very great to see where all the magic is made. Uh, if you like what you heard from our conversation, go to counterintuitiverecords.com or go to CI Rex on all of their social media and get yourself acquainted with a lot of the tunes that they put out. If you like that Retirement Party album we shared it earlier last year, go check it out. It's great. It's a fantastic album. That band's taking off. Now, let's shift to go talk with Dustin Watson from Disposable America because he's a great guy and you're going to hear some tunes from Lilith right now. Here we go. tell people who you are what record label you run and where you're from uh i'm 
Dustin Watson, and I run the record label Disposable America in Alston, Massachusetts. Cool. Are you from here? I'm from Maine originally. Okay. But I've been in Boston for a little over a decade now. Okay. Are you from the part of Maine where there are people? Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Definitely not a lot of people where I grew up, but there's people. <laughs> because uh, I've heard that there are just parts of Maine that don't have, like, zip codes. Um, I don't know. I mean, okay. how much truth there is, but it is a pretty, like, dead zone for the top third, for sure. That's wild. Yeah. Like, what part of Canada is up there? I forget. It's a part of Canada where also no one lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that checks out. I can't remember. Oh, well, not part, not important, but something that's always on my brain. <laughs> Do people live in Maine? You got Conf- out of it eventually. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> confirmed? All right. Some people cool. stay there. I did not. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Um, I went to school at Emanuel College, oh. which is in the Fenway area here in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Are they going to still be a school? Um, a lot of small schools just keep dropping out lately. Oh, I was going to say, it seems like they've been expanding um, okay. from what I've seen. It okay. used to be a pretty... I mean, I went there because it was a contained yeah. campus and I wanted a community yeah. like I had in Maine. It felt safer in a big city that freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> but from what I've seen, they've, they're becoming a... good. A real school now. Just like schools keep dropping out in this area, and it's kind of a bummer, but yeah. I don't know. That's kind of the landscape. But you're more comfortable in Boston now? Oh, so much more. Yeah, that's a big part of why I'm sticking around here. The yeah. pace is so much nicer than where I came. And you're in a great location, like in the middle of friggin' Austin. Yeah, truly the heart the Yeah, heart so of you Austin. had to have gotten over that big fear of the big city. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, so when did you start this label, and why? Um, it was in 2012, um, and my friends were in a band called Mora, and they had an EP ready that they were just going to essentially be throwing up on Bandcamp, and I've been tossing around the idea of starting a label for a while, and especially a tape label, um, and so I just approached them and was like, hey, I know you're about to throw this thing out there, um, but do you want to work together? And... We just kind of rolled from from there. They let me learn how to start a label with their release. It was like a little experiment. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up putting out my first 7-inch for them as well a few years after that. But they were just kind of my my growth band. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to be able to work with friends who were yeah. very understanding in that sense and happy to help. A lot of trust there, at least. Yeah. 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 And that's something I've tried to, I feel like, maintain. It's something I'm most comfortable with is... Working with bands that, I don't know, I can know we're on the same page and expectations are the same. Yeah. Well, what, what even, like, made you feel like you wanted to do that? Um, I don't play an instrument. Okay. And I really badly wanted to just be more involved in the uh, music scene and, like, uh, DIY, yeah. you know. Uh, but I didn't know where my approach would come from past booking shows. I was booking shows at Emanuel um, through our radio club. I ran the radio station there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just knew that I wanted to get more involved somehow, and this seemed like a way to do it. Yeah. Um, I went to school with some uh, graphic design uh, classes, and mm-hmm. so I was able to bring that into it. Cool. Um, and I was already making flyers and things, so that just seemed like a natural progression to be able to handle all those aspects of the label um and had plenty of friends that were doing the music thing yeah that wanted to work together oh sick yeah so 
Where'd you get? Where'd you come up with this name? And what's kind of like the focus? Do you think of the label itself? Like what? What like kind of drives it? The name really isn't anything interesting. It was just a pair of words that I happened to like. I I don't remember if I was tagging something uh, like on the internet somewhere, but just the words "disposable" in America ended up next to each other, and I went, "Oh, that's an interesting pair of." words together yeah and i used it for a different project originally um i was djing a country western music night hell called yeah. disposable america hell yeah in that once i started the label is you're like i don't know i'm gonna repurpose that name and i did both at the same time for a little <laughs> while but um yeah it's nothing deeper than that yeah um and sorry what was the like the what kind of like what's the kind of like focus or drive or what do you look for as like the label representing in a way um i mean a big part of it is definitely trying to keep it community minded um and that's why a lot of the bands that we put out are either people that i've developed a personal relationship with outside of like a blind email pitch um or just local bands in mm-hmm. general um and I really like the idea of fostering um, a label roster and it going beyond just putting out a release, hoping the release gains traction, and if it doesn't, moving on. Um, which, for whatever reason, um, I do see a lot of other labels have that approach of just letting things fall by the wayside. And I want anyone that I'm working with to kind of feel a continued support. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of transparency, um, in a way that I don't know necessarily how other labels operate, but a level of like honesty and, Mm -hmm. um, I want for the artists I work with to be able to approach me about anything and get full disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you've kept it pretty like tight and contained. It almost makes sense that the same sense that you wanted from... Emmanuel comes into the sense that you're creating for your own label, even. Oh, for uh, sure. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just making connections. <laughs> but it, it, I think that that's an interesting approach because some folks might want to, like, just, my label's going to be fucking huge, man. Um, is that, like, an intentional, like, purpose that you've kind of, like, created around it? Just, like, keeping it that contained? Um, I definitely, definitely think it's pretty intentional. Um, only in the sense that I want everything I release to be something that I personally believe in mm-hmm. and back in, uh, that I back regardless of necessarily its mass appeal potential. Um, it's always nice if I know something that I'm interested in mm-hmm. will reach a wider audience. Um, but I don't want that to be my primary goal. I don't, I've had, you know, chances to work with somebody that I knew would immediately just be like a hit release but that's not what it's about for me. Hmm. Um, I want to put out stuff that I personally want to listen to, yeah. want to push. And especially if I, it's something that I know might not receive that spotlight mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, we met, we met at a gig. You were tabling. Yeah. And um, I just loved seeing that. I don't even know if you had a band that was on the gig that you were... I think you were just tabling the gig. Yeah, anytime somebody asks me to, it's always nice to be able to show And that's so great, because, like, that's how I think 
that's how like I saw that and I was like, oh, maybe my nonprofit could start tabling for stuff and like that. That's where actually where I got the idea. Now. Oh, that's cool. Kind of what we do now, and so, um, but I love seeing that. That's kind of one of the ways that you get um, your word out about your bands and whatnot. And I think it also plays to like the community aspect to, of it. Um, so. When you're bringing on a new band, especially from like the local scene, how important is it for you to like kind of foster either their new, like not not new, foster their um, development in this scene or branch them further? How what 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 role do you tend to play in trying to get them outside of this scene? Um, ideal world, mm-hmm. putting them all on an international. Yeah. You know, level as far as potential. Yeah. Um, pr- but local is for sure my 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 focus. It's mm-hmm. where I know that I have a definite audience and definite connections to be able to help mm-hmm. them with getting shows, uh, being able to tour around New England or yeah. just outside um, of this area where they might not already have yeah. um, those connects. Um, so are you doing some of the booking as well or are you just... Yeah, I I book a, a maybe a dozen or show, dozen or so shows a year, mm-hmm. um, and usually try to get at least one or two of the bands from the roster on them, yeah. both for the purpose of helping out those bands and label, but then also helping out other bands that I care about, um, either locally or that are touring through, um, and it's always nice just to be able to do a disposable America presents thing because that makes me feel pretty proud. Those are always pretty sick. Yeah. Um, what's something that you've learned over the last, what, six-ish years about running a label almost essentially out of your living room, bedroom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely still out of my apartment everywhere. Um, something that I've learned about running a label. Um, Some things you're still learning, I don't know. Oh, I'm constantly, constantly still learning. Um, the biggest thing is not to be afraid to ask other labels uh, how to do things. Mm. Um I have definitely had a lot of other labels help me along the way, um, but whether they knew it or not. Um, and still, to this day, there are labels that I'll tap into about things that I don't understand mm-hmm. um, beyond what we've already done. And I have smaller labels approach me uh, and ask questions about where to press their first tape or problems that they're having wrangling uh, press and I'm always super happy to help out and answer questions because if I didn't have the labels that helped me, I would not have survived a few years. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I see too many labels come along and try it two releases deep immediately, not get an audience and give up and think that they weren't doing something right. Yeah. Um, when really there's a million things they could have tried differently. Um, or learn from someone else's mistakes. Yeah, it almost seems like some folks... Because like, I've been around people who tried something new, saw that it didn't necessarily catch on. Because some people have this idea that like, if we just do it, it'll happen and there'll be success. But sometimes it, like, there's a level of DIY expectation that as long as you're doing it, it will succeed. But you do need other people. You do need to ask questions. You do need... Like, you can't just do it all on your own. Like, right. The connections help. Yeah. And being in the city, I imagine, has helped a lot, too, because you've just been around 
everyone's hands are in music somewhere here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime that I've ever considered stepping outside of Alston, that's been like the number one thing that holds me here yeah. is that I wouldn't have access to a lot of the people and a lot of the outlets that yeah. I have without immediately being here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps to be involved in your music scene already. Yeah. Um, and helping to helping that community thrive um because if you are taking that approach that just putting something out is immediately going to land you a fan base it doesn't really work unless you have people that are paying attention to you Mm -hmm. or wanting to help you because you are also helping them Mm -hmm. wanting to check out the thing that you're creating because you supported them in the past yeah yeah Um, and we, we would not be able to do this without those kinds of friendships and partnerships that we've had well yeah and like the city is just like ideal location wise because like you've got great scott right there mm-hmm. you've got uh brighton o'brien's like you've got all sorts of stuff just even this just area you can yeah. walk to it's like such an ideal location like why would you i guess there are only a few other scenes you would want to move to to be equally ideal but like you got the setup why not continue it yeah absolutely um so if folks were to start their own label <clears throat> maybe this guy um what are what is some advice you have or even bands who want to get on a label what is advice you have for kind of like both of those audiences um for starting a label i think number 1 before you even pick a release is figure out exactly what your goals are Mm -hmm. for the label Um, because again I see a lot of new labels pop up and immediately get disappointed or frustrated and then they just call it a day but it's because I think their expectations were not lining up with reality Um, and there are plenty of people that can pop up and immediately just be doing the thing Mm -hmm. um but otherwise, it's a lot of hustling and it's a lot of scrounging for attention. And you are competing with other labels. You're competing with people that are self-releasing um, for press, for album sales, for any kind of spotlight online. Um, and that can be really frustrating to deal with because it can seem like nobody is paying attention to you, paying attention to this thing that you really believe in. But if you really believe in it, that should be the reason why you did it in the first place. Mm. Um, also, be realistic about your uh, what you have to offer bands in terms of financial uh, financial reach and the amount of attention that you can give it. Mm-hmm. Um, because putting all of your money into a vinyl release for a band that can't play outside of their city for work reasons or for really any number of reasons is a huge gamble uh putting out a tape release or a cd release not nearly as much of a gamble yeah and so if you truly believe in it it at the end of the day it won't matter whether or not you sell through that you are still helping a band yeah um but you also want to be realistic with the artists about what you can offer uh so that you aren't leaving them stranded that you're not leaving them dry yeah um Similarly, from the band's approach trying to work with a label, it's important that a band knows what they actually want to do um, and doesn't give up on not hearing back from labels. Um, I'm always a little surprised when a band emails me 
a demo submission and even at my size I receive anywhere between five and three dozen demo submissions a week I'm only one person at the label and I listen to a lot of music so I don't always and not, most of the music I listen to isn't absorbing those demo submissions and so I, sometimes I will finally get back to a band two weeks later and be like hey sorry that it took me so long to get back to you I just checked your band camp and saw that you already threw it up there so as much as I like the record I don't know that the timing will work out mm-hmm. and it's because the band didn't hear back after a few days figured nobody was interested and just threw it up there yeah I understand wanting to just put it up there, but following up with a label or reaching out to as many labels as you can can get you the things that you want out of a label. If you want a label that's going to give you like pure support, uh, you can find that. If you want a label that is just going to give you vinyl, you can probably find that too. You just got to keep emailing until you get the thing that you want. Yeah. It also seems like a lot of patience is involved there too. Oh, the, absolutely. Every yeah. band's like, I just want to get signed. I just want to get signed. Okay. Yeah. Just be patient then. Like, with everything in life, really, just be patient. I don't know. Yeah. Seems I understand that. Nobody wants to be sitting on a release for half of a year, a year, uh, when they're just eager to share it. Um, but at the same time, I also don't think anyone should squander their potential just because they're feeling like, the handful of labels that they reached out to weren't interested. Yeah. Um, because there are so many labels at this point, and I encourage every person that's interested in starting a label to do it. Um, I think any, anyone that just throws it up on, on Bandcamp... I, I can't say that. I think there's a lot of legitimate reasons to just put your music out there and yeah. not work with a label. But I'm always a, a little bit disappointed when someone does it not just out of pure confidence or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, it makes sense. So, uh, wrapping up, what are, what are some, for folks listening, what are some releases you put out this year or bands that you're listening to right now that you think people need to have listened to, to have focused on? Um, or uh, should get onto it? Um, a few releases that we put out this year that I really, really love and think people should listen to. Um, <laughs> Uh, we put out a, uh, a single uh, for two singles for the band Lilith. Yep. Um, and we put out a record for Alexander, their debut mm-hmm. record, Settle Down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put out our second, or technically I think th- third release uh, for this band Saccharin, mm-hmm. um, who is the lead singer of Mora, who I'd mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Um, and... And uh, we also put out an EP for a band called Groupie from Brooklyn. Yeah, we shared Groupie. Oh, that's right. And yeah. we shared Lilith in the episode with Hannah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then as far as releases outside of the label, uh, I really, really love Bedbug. Mm. Um, one of my favorite local artists. So good. And I think that they deserve to be the number one band in, in the world for sure. <laughs> um, I also really love the new Puppy Problems record. Um, I think that Sammy is fantastic. Um, the Temporary Eyesore is um, a side project of Zoe from Half Sour. Mm. Um, and they put out an EP this year that I really, really love. Mm. Um, and then Lovelorn, which is the new project from uh, Creepoid. Um, oh, cool. Uh, they have a, a new record on the way. But the, the songs they have out already are really, really fantastic. That's awesome. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, we saw, uh, I think it was, that was the house show that you and I just kind of hung out on the the deck for. Yeah. It was Creepoid and Kindling and... Uh, and uh, Elizabeth Color Wheel. Elizabeth Color Wheel, which show. for the longest time has been one of my favorite band names, just in general. That's such a great name. Yeah. But yeah, that was a fun gig and a chill night because it was like such, it was in the summer. Yeah. So we were just chilling out. In the dark. Yeah, just hanging on the porch in the dark. Taking people's money. That's true. <laughs> and I think we were drinking seltzer, but I don't know. Uh, like, right now! Yep. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's it. Those were all the conversations. If you like what you heard from Dustin just now, go to disposable-america.com and learn more about all the bands and causes that he supports and check out all the music that they put out. There's a lot of great stuff that has gone out, especially go over to their band camp. There's so much good stuff over there. They're going to be show notes, click through them, go find stuff that'll be really interesting for you. And, uh, Learn some stuff. Learn some new music. That'll be really great. Thanks again to Joey. Thanks again to Jake. Uh, if you want to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash survival, that'd be really helpful. Become a monthly donor. You can even become a monthly sponsor of this podcast if that's something you want to do. Uh, but no pressure. It's all on you. Whatever you want to do. No big deal. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, that's all I've got. Keep your eyes out for a big old giveaway of records that we're going to be doing pretty soon. Uh, within the next week or so. And yeah, that's all I've got for you. I hope you are all doing well out there in the world. Excited uh, to uh, be back doing the podcast more consistently now. That's all I've got. Let's get to work. <laughs>